What's going on, everybody? This is James Grandmaster Facts Boyce, and this is another episode of the Facts Project. Today, special guest for the second time, Anthony Stokes. We're not here to talk about the K because the K is over in volume uh, issue three. We are here to talk about intrusive thoughts. Thank you for being here, brother. Thank you so much for having me, man. Love the love these kind of conversations, man. I'm uh, glad we can do it again. No, absolutely. Look, and, and being it's the first day of Black History Month, I'm glad that we got the opportunity to talk. <laughs> um, Yeah, man. Hell yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So the thing is, of of course, you, of course, staying in within this realm of horror as you have, you've done a revenge thriller, of course, with the K. Mm-hmm. And now with the with the psychological thriller that you base uh, psychological horror, if, if you want to say with intrusive mm-hmm. thoughts, what would you say was the was the perception going forth in creating this type of story? I just wanted to do. I wrote Decay in 2021, right? Mm-hmm. And it was my first comic book. And it, I, I didn't know what I was doing, right? It's my first comic book. And, you know, you know, I'm a boisterous voice in the, in the space. And people were like, judge me off my first comic book. And it was really, it was really frustrating. So I just want to do, I just want to do everything better. I want it to be a timestamp of what I learned from that first comic to to that, to now the the second um, this would be my, I think I made this around the time, same time as Decay issue three. So this would be my, my third issue. I believe that I'd done and I wanted to show the progress as well. Just step everything up. Right. And, and, and even in that instance, uh, we, we're coming to look at this, this story that you basically created and it seems a lot more personal than Decay was. Mm-hmm. Now, if, if you could speak to that, is there anything that you pretty much have put more of yourself into an intrusive thoughts. Is this a lot more personal? Is there a lot more truth to this tale as it was to decay? No, not really. I'm, you know, I just, I just thought of the scenario when I wrote it, I can empathize. Well, I can empathize with, I can empathize with both of it. You know, I wrote the, during the pandemic, I wrote this. So uh, decay, excuse me. So it was, it was very, it was very angry. You know, we were dealing, it was a scary time. We're angry. I'm sure some of us unfortunately lost some loved ones. So that's, that's where my head state was at for that. And then this one, it was just about, I guess, just general dealing with anxiety, depression and and, and loneliness and stuff like that. So I wouldn't say it's more personal. I think I think it's more about that. Right. Like this is, you know, Decay had two main characters. So um, essentially. So this has one. So it's just it's just so much easier to dive into it and kind of get into it, especially with him being alone. You spend all the time with this main character as opposed to Decay, where it was kind of, well, 50-50 with uh, uh, Jess and DK. Yeah, because I, I I more so think of the the way that the story is built up. You're basically talking to a demographic of people, a lot of introverts who basically have had the issues of being bullied in high school, have had deals yeah. with abandonment, have deals with night terrors, and talking about sleep paralysis as something as a construct of how this yeah. this par- uh, paralysis demon is more so coming about, but it's more so a a physical manifestation of a sleep paralysis demon that we more so would not see unless we looked at like maybe like a anime like demon uh, like Death Note, like Ryuk. You know, it's so funny. You said a lot. So I did get bullied in high school, which uh, which caused a lot of my uh, <laughs> disposition, you know, going forward. Um, it was, it was rough. It was rough. So now as an adult, I'm like, I'm not taking that shit, you know what I'm saying? So right. th- that was a part, that was a part of it. And then you said the abandonment as well. I do, I do deal with that as well. So now I'm thinking about it. Yeah, there's, there's definitely something I might've left on the table 
And then, no, you know, it's funny. I think I got this idea. I got the, I got the biggest of this idea in high school. Funny enough, like the idea of a, a demon or just a scary thing representing depression. Mm-hmm. And just, I, I had this idea of this thing getting closer and closer to this main character, almost like it follows as well. Um, like it just relative, it, it's the same space relatively to him. And, and, and it was inspired by death. Note, I'm pretty sure. So it's funny you said that. It, so this is definitely inspired by death. Note. Yeah. Yeah. Cause what I'm thinking about it and not to expose the cliffhanger, but like almost like the second to last page, it's like a breaking of the glass in case of emergency moment mm-hmm. to where it's like, of course he's uh, experienced bullying at its biggest form. You could see that basically upon his first incident with being bullied that yeah, regardless, people know him and they know to pick on him. Yeah. And yeah. when he's finally in a, I guess in a state of conflict for the last time, you see this page, this panel where it showcases his, his head, breaking free almost like the the glass is breaking free and the only way to actually fight against the con- the constriction of basically what's happening in that moment is to release the demon yeah this is definitely metaphor it's definitely definitely metaphor and, and what the the beautiful thing about this and kind of like kind of my my thing i was going for really was decay was very literal right everything that happens at decay yeah. is quite is literally happening you know what i'm saying like there's there's not a lot of metaphors, you know. There, there's there's very few metaphors, I should say. But I wanted this to be very metaphorical. I wanted this to be very atmospheric, um, almost like a like a Sandman, you know. what I'm saying like a, like a Watchman, mm-hmm. and so yeah, I that's how I came with the idea of the snow globe being a metaphor, not unlike the necklace and the voodoo doll were for decay, but just just getting it more involved in the story, you know, as well. Yeah, one of the main factors that you do point out in this story is perception. Uh, of course, he's going yeah. through, he's going through therapy, and of course, you go through the classic what uh, What does this glass look like? Half uh, half full, half empty, and yet he's asked to look at the perception of uh, and the um the young man. What's his name? I'm sorry, Tyler. Tyler. Tyler is mm-hmm. basically look uh, basically analyzing to the therapist. You know, it's all about perception. It's it's not basically what I'm looking at, which is the glass half empty, half full. It's whatever yeah. I perceive it to be. So what is your what is your analyzation of perception throughout this entire story? Well, I think the point was that he was saying, like, look, it doesn't matter. Like, I think I think what do you say? Like the glass half full is optimistic. The glass half full is bad. Uh, I mess, you get what I'm saying. Yep. You can look at like a, a nihilist being like, it's just half. Right. Like, it doesn't matter what I perceive. That's what it is. Like, quite literally, it's half. Yeah. Like, it doesn't it doesn't matter. Right. So well, that's what his, I give is going to be the correct answer. He's like, well, it's just like he, he's like, he's like, my life sucks. You know, <laughs> like, it's not a it's not mm-hmm. a perception thing. My life is objectively bad. And and that's and that's kind of the point. And we do we it, it does come back to play in a way. I'm I'm very excited about that. We won't re- I can't reveal. Well, we won't see for like another five issues. And that's the that's the that's the cool. Well, so my both of my series are in their infancy infancy. You know, like Decay just dropped issue three, so we're over the hump. This mm-hmm. is gonna be six issues. So what's really exciting? It was really. It's also it goes back to like the reception for Decay, where it's like. 
oh my God, y'all just don't know how good I am. Like I'm just setting things up and it's going to mm-hmm. pay off. It's like the payoff is going to be crazy. And, and it's going to be, it's going to be the same with this moment. I also appreciate like how much you're like, I can tell you read. Cause you know, you do, I do some interviews sometimes where it's like, yeah, I can tell you didn't read this shit, but like, <laughs> right, I can tell right, you right. really, I can tell you really read that. I appreciate that. Yeah. Not a problem. And, and also on the latter end, when you're looking at Tyler's, uh, his personality, like you could tell mm-hmm. within the storyline, of course, he's at this moment within the first issue, he's reaching a breaking point. But also you can tell more so in the instance of how this this series is going to progress. That there's a positivity angle that's going to basically perceive in this and how he's going to structure his mind personality wise going forward. So there is a love aspect to this. Yeah, man, I'm 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 thinking, man, did you read you get my script leak or something? Uh, man, um, I, I can dive I can dive deep. <laughs> no, um, yeah, absolutely. So it it is about mental health. So you know, spoiler alert. You know, you would you would hope that would end well. You know, like your your fingers crossed. So no, it's it's gonna be it's gonna. I'm I'm so much into the character aspect. I I love every aspect of writing, but to me, like I want the characters to to really change and and get into the psychology of the characters, right? Because mm-hmm. you look at when you look at great media, that's what they do. It's not just it's not just like oh this character has a motivation it's not going to they're going to do this it's like we're going to get into the psychology of this character what makes them tick why they see all this stuff and and that's really what i enjoy and and the way to the way to get some them some of that stuff across like talking to a therapist you know um looking at a the glass half full half empty as well like that's the kind of stuff that you can really um that can really like tell you a lot about the character you know Mm-hmm. Now, in terms of the sleep paralysis demon, is his notion in his mind to tame it or is it to obliterate it? You have to keep reading for that one, bro. <laughs> See, yeah, I keep reading for that one. <laughs> That's fine. That's fine. But is it is is the sleep paralysis te- demon more of a case of torment more than anything? Or is it just basically a a portion of his psyche that he does not know that is coming out. I feel like you tried to reframe the same question. I absolutely did. See, 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 man. That? And listen, this means you are engaged with the story. And I, and I, and I appreciate that. Um, listen, the, the, the thing is though, the nature of what the, the demon is, is like such a huge part of the story going forward. I really don't, I don't really don't want to say anything. I will say this. Um, this series, I like. I re- I just c- came off of reading Chainsaw Man and uh, huh? Fire Punch, and yeah. uh, d- uh, d- you know, Goodbye Eerie as well by uh, Tatsuki uh, Fujimoto, who I think is a brilliant writer. And I I love when I watch that. I watch a black comedy. I watch a a, a movie like Banshees of Insurance. And I just I just can't tell where the story's going. I just love that. Like I that's the media I like. And I'm like nobody's gonna be able to tell. My goal was to have this. My goal was to have this start to finish. You will have no idea where the story's heading, but also okay. you'll see the through line of like how we got here. You know what I'm saying? So uh, keep guessing. <laughs> keep okay, going. got you, got you. Keep and I, I love Banshee's an instrument, by the way. Um, now, real quick, that is the kind of movie I want to make. Like, I, 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 it's not fair, but I asked my friend, I was like, do you think I can write something this good? Like, and they were like, yeah, this is kind of this is kind of stuff you like. So yeah, that dude, right. that dude's really good. 
Because the construct of that movie is basically defined within the first five minutes. And then also yeah. within that five minutes, you realize that you know nothing. Exactly. It's so, and, and it, and it's so simple too, as well. And with these simple premises, you can just hang so much. You can just hang so much on it. Like I'm thinking of it like a clones clothesline. Um, because it's like, you can, you can do anything when you, when it's something so simple, you look at a lot of mangas like this as well. It's like an idea. It's like an idea where you're like, this, this sounds so stupid, but then it's just so unique. They can just do all kinds of stuff. It's like they're, it's, it's a limitless potential essentially. Yep. But, you're finding the easiest ending point and you're, you can branch out as much as you like to, because there is defining points to anything that you talk about. Yeah. No, so, yeah, so uh, okay, I, I'll ask you a catching point. Is there going to be a, okay, we know that Tyler is in foster care. Do we know, of course, of his backstory and basically brought, what brought him to this point? Because we we also understand that aside from where he has, is at in high school, his family, of course, is a tipping point as to who he is as a person. Yeah, no. So again, that that that's kind of the mystery of what happened is is, what I you know I need to lean into that more. Like what happened to his parents? Like I'm thinking about the promotion angle. Like I'm just thinking about that. That is also part of the mystery as well. And yeah, he has foster parents. He has this. He he lives in this great house. He aesthetically, he's kind of gotten what you think he would want, but it's hollow because his his foster parents kind of just get the paycheck and leave him, and yeah. then he's in. He's in high school, right? So he's about to graduate. So even this scenario that still kind of sucks could end very soon. And as we know, grad, you know, uh, you you basically need you you need a family structure, um, like uh, when you turn into an adult in this country. Unfortunately, you know, I mean, like the way things are structured, way student loans are structured, they won't even give you a damn. I couldn't even get student loans until I was twenty five, and at that point, I'm like, I'm gonna do, I had to, I'm gonna do something else. I'm supposed to just like be a bum for seven years. Right. So we understand that, like, that's kind of the inciting incident as well. Like, he's always had these issues, but getting ready for college is what kind of is that's the extra bit of stress for him. Mm -hmm. Now, that tips him over. Now, do you feel as though uh, of these social economical process of high school teens when they're about to approach adulthood or about to enter college uh, when basically built within the storyline as far as they're at not only the adolescence, but where they are at economically and where they're going to basically subject themselves when they do enter adulthood. Does that take place in this and how the, the story of basically just Tyler is constructed? Yeah. Because like, if this story happened in like the late eighties, right. Early nineties, it's, it's, it's not, it's not as bad. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, he's just an adult at that point. College is way cheaper, whatever. Now in the late, the, the late 20, let's say it takes place now, current day. Like I said, if you're going to college, you need your, you need your family support, you know, like they, mm -hmm. they, they will take your family's income for those who don't know. Um, for me, for instance, my, um, uh, my family made too much money. Well, they, they made an, a, an amount of money where I wouldn't get student loans. I got accepted to a university. And they were like, they gave me community college money. I couldn't do it until I was 25. They use your parents' income until you're 25. We understand that there's like a there's like kind of a slide down to where jobs that like fast food and stuff that 
are designed you, you think a a, ch- a teenager or young adult could work are now being worked by like middle-aged people because of because yeah. of circumstances so it's, just, it's i mean i, I maybe i maybe should have leaned into that more but essentially like it just that it, it, it's just incredibly hard being like an, a young adult in this country you know and that's what he's that's what he's looking at and um he's he's a smart guy this would this would be what this is 10 years later after i graduated so it's it's even going to be even more conversations. Like I think I was in middle school. My mom told me you're not going to be able to afford to go to college. Like college. Like she told me like, like I said, middle school. Yeah. Which is probably damn near t- 15 years ago. You know. So you can only you can only appreciate how much more that that's true now. Yeah, and 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 I can honestly piggyback off that moment because me being a kid who graduated high school in the 90s was yeah basically perceived to basically have this uh this sort of piggy bank waiting for me once I got out of high school that I thought I was going to be able to go to college but then yet I had to go to community college because of unfortunately that money never existed and yeah. then and then of course when I got to community college it was like okay I can't necessarily go to a four year school so I joined the military for four years so that was my okay. way of paying my way through college. So it, in hindsight, it was like, okay, I had to maneuver my way through like certain spots, hopscotch wise, in order for me to get an education. Yeah. Which sucks. Yeah. I mean, I, I almost did the military thing too. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's unfortunate. So he's, he's, he's stressed out for a very good reason. Oh yeah. I, I can totally get that. So to continue on, um, when we're talking about basically uh, the state of indie comic comic book creators and where they're at, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of subjective influence that basically a lot of indie create indie creators have, and at their mm-hmm. disposal. Uh, you of course have had the opportunity to of course be on social media pumping out your projects, marketing your projects as much as possible. And of course, being able to uh, uh, delve your entire storylines, whether it be decay or intrusive thoughts or anything that of that matter. Beings how you, you, I know you've, you fasted yourself as of course being new to the game. How would you say, um, how would you say the indie comic community has received you in the past two years? Man, but well, it's one. It's it's been probably about honestly what January. It's really been a year. Um, tr- truthfully, it's really been a year, and uh, it, it really depends. You know, it could be. It, it's a complicated answer. If if you appreciate genuinity, mm-hmm. then then you fuck with me. If you don't, like the the indie comic scene is like you have to be fake nice you know you have to be fake nice fake humble it's it's a it's a lot of like being performative mm-hmm. and you know i I'll, I'll dabble in that you know what i'm saying i'll be you know i'll be like hey man everybody have a good day. i mean i want everybody to have a good day but like that's not my first thought right like you're trying to project positivity and that and that's 100 percent fine i think that's that's what's up but it's when you are directly interacting with other people that's when i i can't do the fake thing um and uh, I, I had this, uh, I had a poll. I said, mm-hmm. what, what's better, somebody being a genuine asshole or being fake? Or I said, somebody being arrogant or being Confident. fake humble? And oh, okay. I said arrogant because I wanted to push it. I wanted to make people 
And half the people couldn't answer. They didn't answer. They said, oh, how about a real humble or whatever? whatever yeah. So a lot of people said fake humble. Like, I'm like, yo, y'all are really exposing yourselves. And then you get you get one of these fake humble people and you push them they, in a spot they don't like. They'll get real nasty real quick, you know? Uh-huh. So I think I think honestly, I came into this space in January and um, oh, so, yeah, it's been a year and some change. I came into this space in January and I just I just saw the the landscape of it. And I said, we can just do better. We can make a community that is supportive and constructive. Right. Mm-hmm. Where we're getting where we're getting better. And and we can we can be honest with each other. We can have tough conversations, conversations you don't have to engage with, by the way. You can just keep on scrolling. And so at first I was looked at as a guy that was just being loud, you know, or just being just new, just being kind of a, a control like an asshole. And uh, I got flamed the fuck up in November during my campaign, bro. Like November, I um, I made this post that was like, "Marketing is a compliment making skill." True or false? Did you see this post? I did. It blew the it blew up, man. And I got I got ratioed to hell, man. I, I it, they cooked me, and and I was and it, it just evolved into this. No, and it and it's just like, bro. And then the, the argue it, it just turned into like the semantics game. Where people don't want to confront the fact that if you want somebody to see your comic, you care about this stuff, but they treat it like a bad a bad word. And then now, I bet if I made that post, um, people it would be much more received. People will understand. So the community has received me. It, it's it's been it's been hit or miss, but I think now people are either not engaging anymore, which is fine. Mm-hmm. I don't want to talk to you if you if you can't handle genuinity, right. or they're kind of understanding like you need it you need it like being a disruptor is how i kind of phrase it and that's i mean if done in good faith i think that's a good thing do you feel as though them being polite is a force field for their honesty like being brutally honest i'm sorry you, I'm, I'm sorry i don't understand now no no do you feel as though like their their politeness there's being overly polite or or better yet as you yeah. call it fake humble is it a force field for them to be brutally honest in how they're perceiving either your work or how they want to talk about their own work. Yeah. I think everybody's just scared. I think everybody's just scared of ruffling feathers. Right. And I just, mm-hmm. I've never cared about that. I told you I got bullied at school. I, I've been like, people don't, people aren't going to like you. People are not going to like you. I don't, I've never understood the mentality of I'm going to make everybody like me. It, it, it does. It's not going to work. People are just not going to like you. People have not like me my entire life. I was like, I'm going to give you a reason at least now. Like, mm-hmm. um, I want people to like, I was talking about, that. I want people to either love me or hate me. Like this middle in between, I don't want to be like a lightly light kind of guy. Oh, that guy's all right. Like I want to like, that guy's an asshole. That guy's great. So mm-hmm. yeah, ruffling feathers has never, has never bothered me. Um, n- nobody comments can beat me up. So yeah, they, they I'm, I'm doing my thing. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. <laughs> motherfuckers, ain't, motherfuckers ain't beating me up. So who cares really? Right, right. And and as far as like the, the genres in which you put forward, both of your, uh, your titles have of course been more so, uh, constructed around the genre of either thriller or horror. Um, yes. you're doing something more so out of the norm than a lot of people are doing. A lot of people are still doing superhero comics, which is totally fine. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. But to actually tell stories in your comic book making, because uh, it's more so of an attribute to you as a writer and for you because you come from a screenwriting 
uh, background more than a comic book writing background. Do yeah. you feel like is more more so like you have a one up as far as like your writing process as to somebody who is creating this fic fictional character and this power set that can somewise be comical in a sense where you're more so taking your art. I'm not going to say that they're not taking their art seriously, but the thing is what you're creating yeah. is more so perceived as real life. I think the I think writing a screenplay is harder than writing a comic book. Like you just look at it. Like if you look at a great movie, like we said, Banshees of Insurance, which is an amazing movie. If you look like I, I, like the Human Target, right? That's a good. That's a very. That's a great comic book series. Mm -hmm. Writing is not. It's not in the same stratosphere. It's 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 infinitely harder to write a screenplay than a comic book. So I do feel like I have the edge there. Also, I, I focus a lot on dialogue. I focus on writing dialogue for like the last ten years. Like I've been. It's been an obsession with me. Um, like for, for ever since I watched Superbad and Glorious Bastards, I think I think we talked about that. Like, mm -hmm. like since I since I seen that, I really started to understand. I've been obsessed with it, so I, I think I have a leg up there as well. And you know, it's look, people can make whatever they want, like right, like a super, but making a superhero thing, making a thing that has like you know all you know the, the stuff. It, it doesn't like let, let's just say there are different things. Like there's like the NSFW comics, which are cool. You know, you have like right. the kid comics. There's all kinds of different little pockets that that the comics can fit in. I, I've been not intentionally avoiding that, but I'm kind of somewhere in the middle between all. It's not like gratuitous horror. It's not, you know, it's it, it's falling in the middle and it makes it it makes it a harder sell. And sometimes, you know, I wish I could I wish I wish I could come with a superhero idea that I really liked, you know, um, to make it easy to sell. But uh, no, I, I do. I do pride myself on having the success I've had whilst not operating in a specific genre, not oper not not having the 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 uh trademarks of a, of a comic you would deem successful, you know. Right. Do you do you feel as though the dialogue and like the complexity of basically writing a comic because you don't have to write as much, the dialogue doesn't have to be as complex and yet you're basically broadening out these entire scenes within a comic book. Do you feel as though that's a lot easier as far as like telling the artist exactly what you want because you don't have to even create dialogue for a specific uh, panel. You're more so just like uh, creating a storyline like this, 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 this part is a speaking part. Turn, uh, you know, yeah. I know you do, you have a thing about page turners as well. Like, you you know, the, you've talked about that as well to where it's yeah. like, to where it's like uh, you have specific panels that you know will create exactly what you're talking about without, without actually speaking on it. Well, the thing is, I think, well, here's what I, I would say about the, the the medium of movies versus the medium of comics. In a movie, like we, we're in these Banshees of Insurance, the dialogue is a spectacle. The dialogue is the thing we're here for. That movie is like 80% talking, right? Yeah. And then a comic book, it's way less. The dialogue takes up literal real estate. Um, but here's what I will say is that dialogue, like good dialogue isn't necessarily long-winded. I would argue that a lot of times being brief is actually better dialogue like you yeah. less is more you know you can have a monologue or whatever you but if you look if you look at like an Aaron Sorkin or a Tarantino or a Martin McDonald I think his name is it's a lot of strikes a lot of jabs mm -hmm. um as opposed to when you when you read a comic book a lot of times it's like really long and and the, there's like a lot of the big big speech bubbles so I think they have it the opposite. You know, I think they have it switched. Like, I think I think it's the wrong approach, but it takes a lot of skill 
to be able to write like that, to write briefly. Um, and uh, so I so I understand it. I just and, it, and you know, there's so many different aspects to comic books. It's not expected, right? Like it, that's not what people read comics for. I feel like I don't think people read comics for the dialogue as well. So why? I understand not really putting an emphasis on it, you know, as well, because it's the the medium. The medium makes it harder to exist anyway, or it make it makes it. It's disadvantageous to have a lot of dialogue anyway, you know. Yeah. And, and you can even find that in like real life conversations, because if you find that somebody is like having an argument with you and you find them as, as to being really short in their in their replies. Yeah. And yet you leave that conversation. You're like, what the fuck? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, you're like, nah, bro, emphasize on that more. Like, what, what exactly were you talking about? So when yeah, somebody's like yeah, being really short with you, the thing is when that's like brought out either in comic book form or in screenwriting or anything like that, it tends to make the audience want to see exactly what's going to happen in the next 20 minutes or better yet, even turn a few more pages in. Because if you're being short with that character or anything like that, you're going to want to know exactly what they were thinking in that moment and then go forth. That is, yeah, no, I, I love the way you put that. That is, that is genius. You, you're describing subtext essentially. Yeah. Um, and I think when, I think that's the, that's the thing that people, when you're a kid, you're writing, you just don't understand. You don't understand subtext when you're like a little kid because, mm -hmm. or, or like, a, like even, even a young adult, um, it's that mastery of subtext. It's the thing of saying it without saying it. And I love a good balance. I love like 90%. 90% subtext and then just every once in a while you like hit them in the mouth with just the, mm -hmm. the, the blanket you know um, that not unlike we talked about when he's talking about the glass half full half empty where he's like like my life sucks the perception doesn't matter it's like that's not subtext he's just saying what he feels so it's it's about that balance but but you need to have the balance you know for sure for sure now as far as intrusive thoughts like what exactly where do you feel as though you want to go with this story as opposed to where you went with decay honestly i just wanted to, i just want this to take me further right i mean i i love decay i think it's a i think it's a phenomenal book i think it's gonna be a phenomenal series but just to, i had i have more resources now i'm a better creator you know I have, i'm working with a more experienced artist i want this to become like a, a hit you know i want this i want this to have critical claim i want this to pop you know and i think it will and i think um i i think it will i think my profile is gonna raise oh man i sold a, i think i sold like 80 copies of this at a con one day mm -hmm. um i was pushing it really hard i was pushing it really really hard because I, I just i just printed Good. it but yeah no so i i mean that's that's what i want i want this to be like a big indie series i want this to be like a a, a destiny new york or white ash I don't think I don't think I'll get there on this series. Right. But if that's what, you know, you aim high and then, you, you know, you, you you fall short, you're still in a good place. Yeah. And, and being how like, of course, after the pandemic, you you had the opportunity to do a few cons and 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 have seen that a dozen cons. a dozen cons. So basically from your first con to the cons that you've done recently. To where, yeah. you know, you've got that got the chance to be political, hey, shake hands, kiss babies and everything like that, doing your pitches uh, and so on and so forth. Yeah. You know what I'm saying so like, yeah, how, yeah, what, yeah. how has that benefited the story going forth? Man, no, it's it's been brilliant because you man, because in screenwriting is a very lonely profession. Mm -hmm. Like I while I don't love everything, screenwriting is like the opposite of indie comics where everybody's an asshole because they're 
there it's it's a huge barrier of entry. It's 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 an almost impossible barrier of entry. You know what I'm saying? Whereas comics, you not every pop and comic has amazing art. Not every com- but you if you have a personality, you click with an audience, you you can blow up. You can be one of the top ten percent of comic creators. Mm-hmm. So that that's what I don't get. I was like, what's with all the doom and gloom? Like we can do this. This is this is doable. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sorry. What was your question? Go read the question again. No, no, no. I was, I was basically. What have I learned from doing con? What have you learned from, from con one to con 12? Absolutely. Yeah, no, my con, my first con table was terrible. My, my, my most recent one was good. It's, it's, um, what did I learn specifically? So just being around other creators, right? Is, Mm -hmm. that's what my point, that's why I brought up screenwriting. Screenwriting is lonely because one, it takes way longer to write a script. Uh, it, 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 it takes way longer to read a script. It's more pages than to read a comic. You can read a comic book in 10 minutes, 10, 15 minutes. Yes, you can. So it's harder to get feedback, right? Now the person has take, gone through all the effort. They're going to want to, they're going to give you their opinion. So it's, it's, it's more detailed feedback, you know, which is, could be good if it's constructive feedback. Um, I feel as with, as, as though um, now I'm in a community where I have a massive net. I've, I've amassed a very big network, um, which I'm, I'm super proud of a community i would say mm-hmm. so when i went to baltimore i had a conversation with an artist i had a conversation with an editor and i had a conversation with a colorist mm-hmm. and i gave them the editor and my colorist the comic book and they they um i, I was wanting them to be like oh man it's the shit you know but they 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 didn't they gave me um they they critiqued it and um, while I was like, I'm not going to say disappointed. I'm paying attention. I'm like, okay, yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. But mm-hmm. also in my head, I'm like, I made something that was worth critiquing. Like I made something that was like to them worth mentioning or, or sitting down and going through. So that was a nice feeling, you know, um, as well. And then the art, I talked to this artist who just had a brilliant understanding of just the medium and uh, like manga versus comics and stuff like that. They just had, and I was like, damn, just being around these. And I talked to Pat Shan. I hung out with Pat Shan all weekend. Oh, okay. Yeah, shout out, shout out to Pat Shan. I, I hung out with him. Yo, yo, we gotta, we gotta get you guys connected. Oh yeah, you would love. Have you talked to Pat Shan? I have not. Yeah, yeah, we got, yeah, we gotta get you guys linked up. So I'm talking to him. I'm talking to Kevin Cuff, um, as well, um, who did. Oh my God, I can't get lit or die trying. Oh my, Shark Bros, Metal Shark Bros, as well. Mm-hmm. So I'm just, I'm talking to these guys. I'm picking these guys' brain. And so being in that environment, it just wants you to, it just wants you to get better, you know. Because like, I want, I want these guys to, I, I want, I want somebody to look at me. Like I look at them, like, as like, this guy has an understanding. Well, I do think I have a, I have a really good understanding of like, say dialogue or marketing or, you know, networking. I want to, I want to have that knowledge for the art of making, making a comic book while that stuff is important for making comic books, but like the actual like technique of making a comic book as well. So that, that was a huge motivator. Do you feel as though some of that motivation is now basically taking fold and you pushing your personality into uh, content creation on YouTube or how, how you've been doing that with super comic bros over there with our good friend, Chris Moses. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like the Chris. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I just want to use every tool I have, I have at my disposal, you know, um, I've been very fortunate. I've been very fortunate. My family uh, is just so they're, they're crazy, man. They're so funny. There's so much, so much charisma just dripping out of this, the, the <laughs> and uh, the, the, the family tree. So I, I'm really just, I'm really just been 
granted, really blessed that be around like really good people. So I feel like I I, I got some of that charisma and I, I might as well use it, right? Like some of the things, I, some of the comments I've gotten was like, Stokes, people are talking about your personality, not your comics. It's the same thing. Like it, it, to me, it's the same thing, right? It's not literally the same thing, mm-hmm. but it's better. It's easy. It's easier to talk about a person in a comic book. It's easier to make a tweet pop off than to make a comic book. Why are we knocking somebody for basically I'm like the, I'm like the modern Twitter. Um, I'm like, a, I'm like the modern comic book artist or comic mm-hmm. book creator. Yeah. Um, basically. So, so like I grew up in the content creation era. So why, why not? I mean, if you, if you, if you don't want to do it, that's fine. But why knock me? Because I, I looked at, look, I'll be honest. I'm going to be the honest, the most honest I've ever been. And I came in here in January and I saw everybody was crying about how how bad they how they weren't where they want to be at. There's so few people that want to be where they be at. I was like, man, I want to skip some of these steps. Y'all gonna know about me. Like, mm-hmm. I'm gonna raise my profile and like look at it. Look at me now. Like, it's you know, right. Um, if you say like, I feel like uh, you could, hey, that's Stokes or Stokes Rider. People would know what that is. They haven't read my comic book. You yeah. you couldn't do that a year ago. Like, that's that's an objectively good thing. Like, yeah, it, it it's basically just keeping keeping your name in anybody's minds. It's kind of like a, a Ray, uh, Rob Layfield type of deal. Like people know him for his creations of X-Force and Deadpool and everything like that. And how bad that he draws feet and how big that he makes a chest. But, the, but guess what? When he's on Twitter, motherfuckers respond to everything that he says, regardless of yeah, what I mean, he's you saying. Look- we are in a post, my, my Chris McCall said, post post viral. It's like you look at artists like Doja Cat and uh, Lil Nas X, mm-hmm. like they they basically so Doja Cat got a career off of memes, and Lil Nas X has sustained a career. He made the most popular song of all time, and then maintained that popularity by trolling essentially like that's, that's that's basically what he's done. Shouts out to him. So it's like you you just. It's like comics is like the the comics is like 10, 15 years behind, bro. I just don't understand it. I just don't understand why mm-hmm. if you want to you want to sit here and just like try to sell comics the same way other people are doing it, that the other 10,000 people on Twitter are doing it. You go crazy, bro. I'm not doing that shit. I'm not trying to be I, I like I said, I feel like I've 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 hit a lot of platitudes that I will I I I did because I I'm willing to put myself out there and stuff like that. Do you feel as though a lot of people are more so looking at it as an art form and do not want to look at it as a personality contest? I mean, yeah, but that's that's their loss. So, you know what I'm saying? Or, or you know, keep that mentality over there by y'all. Because here's the thing is I, ma- I make really good comic books. Like I, I make, I'm a very good writer, very, very good writer. So I had the best of both. You know what I'm saying? Like, um, so to, to me, to me, it's just... I, I like it's almost like I'm gonna just talk my shit and you're gonna check out my comic book to see if, if I'm from I'm legit or not. And then that's that's also part of part of the strategy as well. And it's mm-hmm. worked. Um it it's 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 worked. Um and I, I understand, but that's just you can you can sit you can be the most like oh you can be a failure with like extremely high morale, I guess. If, if that's what you want, like I'm gonna I'm gonna do this thing that's incredibly inefficient if you want. I'm taking the shortcut. Like I said, I don't, I, Got you. I it, make combo making is so hard. You know, it takes so much time. Like I'm spending so much time and I, you know, which is cool. I'm, I'm exhausted. I'm, I'm actually taking steps to like take care of myself. Actually, I dropped like 30 pounds. Um, and just trying to, trying to get healthy because this is a very 
stressful lifestyle. This is a very this is not a like super healthy lifestyle. I'm not trying to grind for the next five, 10 years. Hell no. Like, mm-hmm. no, thank you. So that's also part of it as well. Don't keep so, doing the same shit for three years, little no results. Go crazy. I'm not doing that. <laughs> Bro, it's always good talking to you, man. For real. <laughs> so so for for one, uh intrusive thoughts is is still live on Kickstarter. How many days we got left? We got 21 days at the time of this recording. 21 days. So uh, as of right now, we got a lot of time left to get this thing funded and get this thing in everybody's hands. How soon How soon are we going to get it in everybody's hands once it's funded? So it depends. I mean, it depends. I usually fulfill it pretty fast. Like you if do. you got the standard, if you got the standard um, cover, I got those already printed out. Well, probably, mm-hmm. I'll probably ship a bunch of those like probably the, the, that week and then the other covers, I'm, I'm going to actually take a break out of this campaign. So I think I'm April, like April, like, you know, within within a month, I would say. Dope. So intrusive thoughts, issue one, Anthony Stokes. I mean, he's basically here telling you in, in living color, man, get the book. It's more so psychological than anything. But the thing is, it's intrusive on exactly how we should pinpoint how we discuss ourselves personality wise going uh, how we see ourselves man to man woman to woman how we how we see it more so going forth but i appreciate you doing this with me it's been amazing as always absolutely no thanks for having me this is one i always look forward to, to coming on here man thank you so much absolutely man so from james grandmaster facts voice anthony stokes with intrusive thoughts and we are out